thanks to the City of Brimbank across our neighbourhood and the world, Soul Dive with AD, Rashani and Lydia on Brimbank Live on Live FM. All right, welcome back to Soul Dive. You are listening to Soul Dive. <laughs> <laughs> with AD, Rashani and Lydia. Um, we have a special guest joined with us for this segment um, and for the next one as well. Um, just to remind everyone, today we're talking about gentrification. Um, we have with us Dr. Bahan. I'll introduce him. He is the CEO of AfriCause, um, creating a safe space to express community concerns to the wider Victorian community. Um, he's also the CEO of the African Think Tank. Um, the 2009 Victorian of 2009 Victorian of the Year and a strong advocate for the youth in the African community. Welcome, Dr. Bahan. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. How are you? Excellent. And how are you, girls? Um, glad to join you. And uh, really, I see hope in you. <laughs> the journey looks blossom. So, look, I've been working hard finding something like you to be inspired and to get the journey better because we need to leave it in safe hands. Mm-hmm. I see this in front of me now, so I'm very pleased to see that. Uh, and we're, we're, yeah, we're blessed to be able to speak to you, um, especially on this topic because um, we understand that you've been in the community for a very long time now, um, Dr. Bahan. And, you know, we're newcomers, you know, we're so young. We're just, we're looking at the way things are happening and we want to bounce off our ideas and our thoughts and concerns with someone who has been around and has a stronger understanding of how things work. Um, so we're talk- talking about gentrification today. Um, and basically I just provided earlier um, a brief explanation of what that is. And it just says it's a process of neighborhood change that includes economic change in a historically disinvested neighborhood um, by means of real estate investment and new higher income residents moving in as well as demographic change, not only in terms of income level, but also in terms of changes in education level or racial makeup of the residents. Um, Is there any like beginning thoughts that sort of come to mind, Dr. Bahan, when you think about the topic of gentrification? It does. Well, look, I have been in the game for a long time and I have seen community moving from A to B to C, depending on their social status. But one thing comes to mind is mostly with this uh, disadvantaged community being locked into commission flats, And this has been the ghetto, not only the ghetto as in the living, but in the mind of the mainstream. Mm -hmm. When you you come to talk about housing commission, everyone thinks of a failed family. Mm. Because from the Australian perspective of housing commission is for a family failed due to alcohol, drug, and whatever. Mm. And anything comes with housing commission, that perception comes to them. Mm. But unfortunately, most of these families not been of a failure due to drug, alcohol, or anything, but they failed because only coming from a, a poor socioeconomic background, mm. and they are associating to this level because it's not choice. It is something they have got no choice to, to, to consider, and they take that with grace. But... The mainstream or overall the police. And in fact, if I can give you my own example, I was living in housing commission back in the early 90s. And and I say this to the police and everyone. When I was living there, the police, when they knock my door, they push in straight. Mm -hmm. But now where I live, it's it's semi, you know, as you you know, semi middle class type. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they knock the door and they step two or three steps backward and mm. they wait for me coming on the door, if they do. Mm. So just the same person being in that environment to this new environment makes mm. that big difference how they treat me. Mm. Wow. And that just speaks to... Ha- like the fact that it it does there is significance to the area that you live in because exactly. that there that does determine um to a degree how you're treated and your experience um your the lived same experience person, the same person mm. being in that place the same person being in this place 
and I'm telling you, just knocking my door in in Fitzroy, what I have seen was they just ex, you know expect someone coming with a drug or with a gun or whatever, mm. and they wait and they they really ready to take some action. Mm-hmm. But here, where I am, they knock the door and they step back. And mm-hmm. I see them with the, with the staff and I, I see that deliberately. Mm. And I feel like, am I different? Mm. Am I, you know, what makes me different than what I used to? Right. So that is where I see that perception. And I, I limited it throughout the journey. And I have seen young people in that area, particularly if I can take you back to Flemington crisis back in 2006, 7, 8, 9, whatever. I was there fighting for that. And I mm-hmm. wrote a lot of stuff about that. Young people walking on the street, just walking on the street, mm-hmm. if not three to five times by police asking them, where are you going? Yeah. What an idea. What are you doing? And all that stuff. Mm, yeah. So that, you know, and if you, if this, if these kids are taken to Turak, mm. okay, the frequency of asking questions would be less. Mm, exactly. And yeah. thank you for painting that picture because like I said, it, it, it really just, it, it emphasizes the fact that area matters. The area that you oh, live in me, absolutely I'm... means something, you know, it's, it's like a cycle though. You get pushed out of where you'd ideally like to live. Um, like say Footscray, it's being gentrified at the very moment. Yes. Um, and then depending on where you live, depends on how you're treated, Mm. Um, you know, or the respect that's given, just like, Mm. you know, the um, housing commission flats and and the coronavirus situation that happened. Um, Whereas across the road from them in the private apartments, none of that was happening. So Mm. um, like Dr. Burhan said, things being classified as ghettos and places being classified as ghettos um, who accommodate or which accommodate low SES people and people of different backgrounds, Mm. Um, are automatically treated lesser than. Mm, yeah, those labels um, are just put on people, particularly when it comes to areas that they live in, the types of housings um, that they do live in. Um, and, you know, with gentrification happening and with things changing within areas, suddenly an area can become a different place um, mm. and that then becomes different for that particular person. So, um, yeah, it, it is really important to paint that picture um, of, you know, how these places can change how people are perceived. Yeah, definitely changes Hello. the character. That yes. has been one of the biggest battles with police. And I have tried to change police for since that time because we're getting unnecessary crisis and failing within our society, particularly young boys. Mm-hmm. And that is push and pull and ending most of them failing for the journey of their life. It's not about one crisis. It is a life-ending crisis. So the impact is not one impact that makes, once you get into that record, once you get into that system, the end of your life with employment, with, with social acceptance, with many things. Mm-hmm. So to be honest with you, and I stood in many court cases and I have seen this live because I see for minor push and pull of the poli- with the police, they end up in jail. And that ending makes the, the document from bad to worse, and mm. they meet the wrong people in that space, they don't get employment. They, they really remain isolated. Yeah. To bring them, it costs the whole society. Mm. And then we blame them for something that they never started. Yeah. Just being pushed. Yeah, well, you know, now that we're kind of talking, we're kind of exploring, I guess, the negative sides of um, gentrification, we can continue on this path and then we can flip it and look at the positive sides. Um, But let's, I wanted to explore further, you know, this idea of displacement. Um, AD, you were talking about how you recall being pushed out progressively um, to the Mm. suburbs as a younger child. How do you think that impacted you? Because um, people who argue against gentrification would say that, um, you know, sometimes these long-time members of the community um, who aren't able to stay long enough, um, they 
they experience this change in such a quick manner that, um, you know, it impacts their development. So if children are being pushed out, it might impact their education. It might impact their ability to integrate with, um, you know, that area, their, their social environment. Um, yeah. How has it impacted you? What's your personal experience? Before we jump onto that, I think Rashani had something to add. Yeah, to I was going to say. Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah. Um, all good, but... Um, <laughs> It's funny because now that we are moving on to the negatives, a lot of people, when they talk about the positives of gentrification, talk about um, crime rate going down. And then they Mm -hmm. talk about um, employment going up and jobs booming. But it's funny when we talk about that, you know, that there is still that that stigma of crime for particular people and also those people then out of jobs. So it's funny when people um, will, you know, kind of say, well, gentrification is a positive thing because it brings these things. But Mm -hmm. for who? Like, for who exactly yeah, construction that, work is breaking down the well homes that's a thing yeah. new ones it, it it makes jobs available it seems for people that don't necessarily live in those areas um and and then it it obviously means that people who do live in those areas and who had those jobs are now unemployed so um yeah idea did mm. you want to touch on your experience yeah well um the fact the biggest thing was me saying darn we should have bought a house you know, when we could back yeah. in the days in that area, which is no longer affordable. Yeah. Um, and it did really disrupt our livelihood. You know, mm-hmm. we set up school and our church and everything in one particular area. Mm-hmm. So to continue getting pushed back and wanting to continue that connection with community, mm-hmm. um, I ended up having to travel two, two and a half hours um, each way Mm. to get to my school because I really wanted to complete um, my studies with the same peers and the same teachers that I've known for so many years. Mm. Um, You know, but I hear that depending on where you live, you're supposed to be going to the, your district school area. Um, So you also get pushed out by boundaries, even when you do try and remain connected um, when you no longer have a home in that space. So I think gentrification uh, is a division system. It's it's yeah. not, I mean, yes, there are some positives, um, I'd say in places like Footscray, where there's African shops and now there are more white people to experience different um, cultural foods and, and things like that. So it does open up, um, you know, culture and connectedness, mm. but affordability in the real estate business um, mm. is next to impossible and so it also puts up a barrier um when moving and and it kind of tells you to stay in your lane and stay in your Mm. area um, that you now belong to and not try and mix in with those um, places that you could once afford how do we overcome because obviously things must progress right things must improve infrastructure must change so how do we um how do we allow for that change and also feel as if it's it's happening at a in a fair sort of way? You know what I mean? Because yeah. you know the, the ecosystem must. But also, look, uh, sorry to say this. Uh, yeah, if we, if we, just I can say the positive on this step. The positive of gentrification for my community is feeling safe and supported. Mm-hmm. The communal life comes to you. To be honest with you, and I say this to many people in Footscray, been living, been working and living with uh, Melbourne University and the Melbourne Club and the elites and whatever, coming to Footscray, and I bring CEOs to Footscray. Those unemployed people pay lunch for me and them because I help them for free and all that stuff. So they feel in debt to me to pay. And then I say to those people, you know, this fellow, who paid this? Uh, X paid and he don't work. They say, how can he afford? Because that communal spirit mm. is the most, you know, in, in, in every sense of it, is the support and the psychological stand for all of the, the people there. They feel supported of each other, talking to each other openly. And that is... The beauty of that gentrification, you don't feel like, you know, the whole, like, to be honest with you, I've been seeing most top successful people at Melbourne University, anything comes crisis to them is the end of the world. But in this setup of, you know, the food scrape, I see people with many crises, but still resilient and happy and moving. 
Mm-hmm. Despite the mountains of crisis comes to them, they don't see it as big crisis and going to commit suicide. I see people in, in, in a very successful journey, mm-hmm. whenever they face simple things, they, they see the world is crashing on them. So that gentrification also has some positivity, and that positivity is the communal spirit. Right, okay. Glue to each other and support each other. You know, there are people with no money, but still they eat lunch, they have coffee, because they share that environment. Mm. So the beauty of that in a a spiritual, in social, in life, a part of it is excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's exactly what we want to explore as well. It's definitely the positive sides of um, gentrification as well. Um, I think we'll go to a break now and we'll come back and do that. Um, you're listening to Soul Dive with AD Rashani and Lydia, and we have with us Dr. Bahan. Um, thank you for joining us again, Dr. Bahan. He'll be with us on the next segment as well. Um, yeah, so we'll be right back after the break. All right, welcome back to Soul Dive. You're listening to AD Rashani and Lydia, and we're joined here by Dr. Bahan. Um, um, we're discussing gentrification. Um, we have said that it's a complex issue. Um, you know, there's two sides to the coin for this one. Um, and we're just going to take this segment to explore the more positive sides um, to this argument. Um, so, ladies, without denying it, you know, there's some some positives there um, to, you know, um, certain areas increasing in, you know, in their value um, by having different, different sort of, um, I guess, shops and places. Um, what do you guys have to say about gentrification on the positive end of this conversation? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'll start off. Um, like Dr. Burhan said, the positive side is that the community feels safer, um, you know, because the government or whoever decided to, big dogs decided to invest money in those suburbs that were once um, not invested in as as much. Yeah, exactly. Um, So things are of a higher standard all of a sudden, which is really great. Um, But then that means everything is also priced at a higher uh, rate. So I guess that's, that's the two sides of the coin. I think the other positive thing is for the um, cultural aspect of things. So places like Footscray, that's where I keep going back to Mm. um, cultural shops, um, food shops are now experienced by different people who have decided to move into the area. Um, So maybe they didn't have as much business back in the days, but now they do and they attract different crowds. Mm. Um, So they have the opportunity to grow and expand in that. Exactly. Um, But like I said, earlier then they have to pack up shop and drive an hour away to get home right so So, yeah you're right like that increased visibility appreciation and experience of um, other cultures you know previous maybe 10 years back people didn't really have access to an Ethiopian um, restaurant so readily and I even recall um, when I was younger feeling um, I don't I hate to say it but feeling not the safest at Footscray Mm -hmm. station because um, it was a a bit of a problem area sort of um, station years years back yeah um but I remember they renovated that and I I too felt instantly more comfortable and and safe in that area so that's that's a positive it Um, definitely is um and I guess when we talk about money being put into these particular areas um and then it does mean that these areas are kind of redone refurnished um and there are more businesses booming and as um AD was saying that idea of um more cultural shops and cultural cafes um people being able to um share um the the different cultures that um are present within the space um is really cool and it's something that you know we do benefit from like going down to Footscray and being able to you know like walk the streets and being able to like hop into like a cute cafe or a nice bar um it's definitely something that I think a lot of people do um reap the benefits for um and it's something that I can say that I enjoy. You know, we talk about the negatives of gentrification, but I, I do kind of like reap the the benefits and the positives of it. Um, mm. I also think that, you know, when you're bringing in more people into a space, um, sometimes that community spirit is present, but it can also mean that these spaces then become mainstream. Um, mm. And we were talking about it before, you know, when we have these little um, cultural cafes or restaurants that, you know, were once... Um, 
you know, quiet and now are, are booming. It can mean that sometimes, you know, those turn into franchises um, and those, um, you know, that family run business then becomes a, you know, a larger business where the people that once were making the food and not the people making the food anymore because they need to employ more people, which is great. You know, it means more jobs for that area, but it also means, um, you know, losing that kind of speciality of that particular place that can sometimes yeah. happen. So, um, you know, you can see it in both ways. And and I guess it's looking at the economic standpoint um, and point of view and then looking at more at the social aspect as well. Mm. Um, but I do think it's something that um, we all benefit from, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I love going down to the bars in Footscray. Um, and it's just like something that ends mm-hmm. up moving and happening. But we, what you were saying before, Lydia, is how do we... Um, make it move in a way that people can still not be displaced. Um, yeah. Not be impacted um, by the kind of really rapid growth. of Exactly. Um, and I think that that's what people might need help with. Cause I know that, you know, particularly in my area in St. Albans, it's an area that now is kind of, um, you know, builders are really interested in um, mm. and builders want to buy houses. Like literally just yesterday, I always get like a note in in the mail of real estate agents being like, do you want to sell your house? Because yeah. like we've got people that are ready to buy. Um, and, you know, our street have, you know, always put petitions in to stop um, townhouses being built because they're starting to be built within the street. But I also think it's about that control that the community has, you know, for the community, they've come to understand that, okay, it's inevitable that townhouses are going to be built, but let's Let's have some control in how many stories are going to be built or yeah. um, how many houses are going to be built or, um, you know, making sure that there's car spaces, you know, back to what we were talking about with yeah. AD. Yeah, exactly right. Too busy building All homes and not car spaces. Yeah. yeah. So I think that it's important that the community has control over what is happening and how fast, um, you know, the journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Visibility, understanding. And I think, you know, longtime residents really do deserve a chance to benefit from or share in the increased um, investment that's that's being put in these areas. Um, you know, I'm surely there's a way where they can share in, share in the development somehow. Um, and I think that if the process was a bit not necessarily slower, but maybe a little bit more, if they were more informed along the way, um, then they would have a chance at it. But um, yeah, Dr. Bahan, do you have any, anything to add to this conversation? You did highlight a positive earlier. You might have some more. (laughs) Look, uh, Australia's richness is more on the diversity. Mm. This is acknowledged from early seventies when Malcolm Fraser and others our, you know, this diversity is the walls that created in this country that make this country prosper. Mm. So that's the foundation. So we, as a newcomers in this game, have an opportunity to to utilize that end in saying, here we are, and we need to step. The problem with the first generation coming, there were so many barriers, such as language, communication network with the mainstream and standing equally in arguing about many issues. Mm. What is expected of the young generation to make this invest in a free way to success is your skills of communication, your skills of reaching the other side. Okay? Because we are an asset. We are not liabilities. Mm. That should be the base because African flavor is coming to Footscray. African flavor is coming everywhere. We're not only looking for just the professionals, the culture, the taste of food, the the, the, the fashion, the, you name it. Mm. This is a special flavor added to multicultural Australia. Yeah. And this should be seen as a wealth to the country in many aspects of it. So that is our strength. Yes, because we came late, things are different because people have worked in a manufacturing economy to build themselves. Yeah. We started from scratch with no manufacturing economy to start cashing some money to start businesses. So mm. we start we came in a bad time when Australia moved from manufacturing economy to knowledge and service economy. Yes, education based and yes. Yeah. yeah. This is not an easy for someone coming from a poor socioeconomic 
with no skills or uh, qualifications or talents that can be recognized overnight. Mm. Okay, so this has created more so the process has been digitalized. For someone to open a business, it's not as easy as what it used to be 20 years ago. Mm. The paperwork, the understanding, the whatever that goes with it. So what I see is the country needs us more than we need them. Mm. But mm. So question, how do we get this to put it on the national agenda? Yes, yeah. How to put ourselves in the, in the state government agenda? We mm. should not be seen asking for charity. No, we are asking for opportunity to exactly. participate and contribute. Our yeah. businesses are growing, but the system, as Eddie said and Roshani said, you know, the, the, the real estate, the whatever, all this adds to problems of the business flourishing. Yeah. yeah. I love how you said that, you know, we're not liabilities, we're assets. And I love how you highlighted as well that, um, in fact, the very thing that attracts them to invest further in these areas is the fact that we're already booming to some extent, you know, mm. they see that in Footscray, um, we're attracting people from different ends or different corners of Melbourne, that it is a cultural hub, that there's a lot to experience and share in, in these areas and that, Hey, to, to now develop it further is, is a good idea. So I like that we, that you focus on the way that we frame our mindset around the mm. issue. Um, you know, we are assets and ultimately we have, we have what it takes to um, be a part of the change that happens in these areas. But like you said, we need to just mitigate a few things such as mm. the language barriers and the mm. educational barriers um, so but that we can be a part of it. We mm. should not see ourselves as victims. The victimhood is killing our community. We should mm -hmm. see ourselves, we are as equal as everyone. The only problem is we're not getting there. We start in different projects with myself and my organization with many others. We need to penetrate in the system. Mm -hmm. We need to connect with the system. The only solution, because the businesses or whoever, we are, that previously we were blind was leading blind. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you and many, the new generation are there with qualification, with degrees, with what yours should be a means to the end to the community. Yeah. The whole process, our culture needs to shine. We need to write about it. We should mm -hmm. not be hiding ourselves as if we have shame. No, we're proud who we are. Mm. And that proudness is not only because we're standing in front of them. No, we've got this. We've got this. We've got. Yeah. I like sometimes Eddie bringing her fashion or something, and everyone yeah. should should show that <laughs> we got something. Yeah, not they're just coming as empty people. No, we have so much, and that's where you need to take. That's the gentrification will only see you when you are visible that you're proud. You have something. You're giving something. Mm. You're bringing something mm. to the table. And this yeah. is what we are. Africans are bringing so many things in this country, starting mm. from music, sport, to food, to, 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 to professionals, to many areas that endeavors in life, we have it. In fact, when you look to, uh, you know, in census of people of uh, educational background, Africans has the highest per capita in education terms. But we're not seen in that light because mm -hmm. of the perception. Yeah. Why? The question is always ask yourself, why? Mm -hmm. The why brings you the question to answer because there is a problem with, the, with their thinking. Because there is, they're all blocked. You know, someone says to you, oh, you are the first black person to talk to. Oh, you yeah. are the first woman or whatever. So yeah. are we always becoming the first of a million people? No, <laughs> because That's it. they don't want to accept that in their head. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we need to we need to learn how to leverage our assets, like you said. We bring a lot to the table. Yeah. Um, but like within the African community, we have this attitude of gratitude where we're supposed to be thankful to our superiors, um, you know, for giving us an opportunity and not rock the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but we need to stand up for ourselves and be like, hey, my time's actually worth 
this much and and my efforts are worth this much and I'm not going to let you push me over and and tell me that what I've got to offer is not good enough because most of the time what we see is we're put down and then Mm. um, the other person comes and takes the culture and changes it a bit and then makes it their own and then starts selling it back to us. Mm. Mm, Um, So we need to figure out what our worth is and actually stand in that proud and be like, no, um, yeah, we know who we are, and we know mm-hmm. you like what we've got to yeah. offer. So there's yeah. nothing you can tell me to to change that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it is being at the forefront of that as well. You know, it, it is your culture, so um, standing with it and being a part of that um, is really important. Um, and being proud, as Dr. Pan was saying, and I also I love what you said in terms of um, you know, them kind of needing us more than we need them. You know, our culture being. Um, an asset and something that is, you know, needed within, you know, particular spaces um, and really celebrating that and taking control of that. And I think that that's also, you know, when we talk about gentrification is the community being in control of the changes um, and being at the forefront of those changes um, is super, super important. Yeah. And increased, you know, what came to mind as well as we were just saying that is perhaps, you know, this issue is directly linked with the need to um, further educate um, our communities on things around um, housing and how it even works to buy a house. I think a lot of people... um, don't fully understand that it is possible to buy a house if you if you save up for a down payment and you already have an income, you know. Mm-hmm. And if we could perhaps educate um, our communities around what it looks like to buy a house, um, they can secure um, themselves within these areas and actually, you know, um, build up wealth as well instead of just being pushed out and looking for places that they yeah. that they can afford. Um, yeah. yeah, because I definitely think that, um, you know, when you were talking about Dr. Pahan penetrating the system, you know, the system sometimes is set up in a way that is meant to have certain people at the top and certain people at the bottom. But when mm-hmm. we continue to resist and penetrate and um, try to dismantle and change that, when we are more educated in relation to buying houses, when we mm-hmm. do have control of our culture and our community, then we're able to to flip that system. We're able to resist it and change it. Um, and I think that that is at the forefront of um, being able to walk with gentrification in in the right ways um, and being able to control it um, in the ways that we want to within our communities. Exactly. Rashani put it beautifully, walk with the gentrification, not not just, you know, completely resist it because it is it is a great thing in fact. It's just that it it just requires um, the inclusion of the people who actually reside in these areas to begin with. Um, so I think that, um, you know, gentrification has the potential to be a purely positive thing if things are progressing in a fair and reasonable way. And uh, community consultation is... Yeah, exactly. Everything. One thing one thing we have to look always, let's not put ourselves to be invited. Okay? Mm-hmm. We are part of the system. Mm. We should not expect them to call us because when they're calling us, when they're giving us, they think we are the recipient. Mm. That mindset has to break. Mm. Okay? Now, what is our role? And this is what happened. Once you open opportunity, everyone knows how to jump. The problem is we lack in opportunity. Create opportunities. Mm. Yes. Now, create opportunity. In your case now, challenge the system. Because the bigger, the the mountain or the elephant in the room is the system. Mm. Yes. Yes. Okay? How do we tackle this system? They don't trust us. To give money to African or to give leadership to African, there is a mistrust. Why? Mm. Okay? Why do we be seen that way because of our skin color? Like, you know, I was as as a professor at Melbourne University. Everyone comes to me when I sit in a senior staff meeting. Are you are you on a scholarship? That's real, yeah. It's very real, yeah. So what I'm saying to you, this is where we need, because for you now to go on the ladder, having these people, that mindset, there's no way. Mm. 
because they see you there as, oh, are you a secretary or are you coming to visit? Mm. Or they don't see you as working there with them equally. Mm. Yeah. So the challenge for you, the way I see forward is, let's not see gentrification or anything as negative. It's mm. all positive. Everything has positive. Mm. How to utilize that positive is, is the door open equally? Is mm. the opportunity given equally? Yeah. Is the trust there for them? Because like now, supporting businesses is good. But when you say no, there are businesses not running like the Melbourne coverage, there are crawling businesses. How do we support them? And when it comes, there is mistrust. Okay, so what I see in the system is, and this is where we need to break in this, this is stereotype of black person being seen as bad, as a criminal, as something, as something. This has to be clear. This has to be fought. Mm. Because once our kids, once our, every one of us gets that opportunity, I guarantee you, everyone knows how to fast run into that system. The only problem is the door or the gate is closed. In a closed gate, you cannot run. Mm. So our challenge is how to tackle that system. Why, mm. are, why are we not trusted? Now, one of the arguments they put to us is, oh, look, your Africans are not united. Is Europeans united? Is Asians united? Mm. Why, do, why, why, why it comes to us, we need to be united? Mm. Okay, well, and also we come from a very dynamic society. We need to question, we need to ask, we need, that doesn't, in democracy, that's the best asset of democracy. Mm-hmm. Challenging. Being able to ask questions, right, yeah, yeah without ask. punishment. <laughs> For us, it is being seen as negative. Mm. It should not be seen that way. Why? Because we, you know, like having community asking and questioning each other, is not a fight. Why is it not a fight when the parliament are arguing and shouting on each other? Mm. Mm, yeah, exactly right. If we disagree, as if the whole world is collapsing. Mm. So that that has to come into table of saying, why this is not measured equally? Mm. Why these things are not seen you know, for this as a different to this? Like say any group now, like say even one community, the Italian community or the Greek community or whoever, they have over 60 to 100 organizations. Say if if Ethiopian or South Sudanese or Eritrean or whatever, if they have 20 communities, they they run over the the sky and say, why would these people have this? You're not united. No, people should be judged on merit. Mm -hmm. If these people, can do the job. They should not be judged because they are Sudanese or they are uh, Ethiopian or they are Vietnamese. They mm. should be judged on their skill, like you girls are doing this program now. You mm. should be judged on the merit of your program. Yeah, absolutely. Not on your color of skin, not on your background. But if there were other three white girls running this show, they will be seen as the stars. <laughs> Okay? No, that's that's the reality. You have to yeah. you have to pin it down yeah. to, to compare that. If three girls are showing in that other area from a, a mainstream girls mm. versus you, the focus goes to them. Yeah. Trust mm. goes to them. Why? Yeah. Those questions. Why? Oh, because this is the system. Mm. This mm. is where we are failing. Mm-hmm. And everything relates back to the system. Back to the system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Pin it down because your program should be measured on the merit of what it does. And that's where you, you, you be measured. Not because if you, if you had a problem in your family or in your school or your boyfriend should be judged in your program. Okay? Or your, back, your background or whatever that comes to that. Mm. So we need to be judged equally on the merit base because the system rewards merit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? And we need to have that equal benchmark. We can't have two benchmarks for everyone and for us. Mm. Okay? So, as I'm saying to you, put your program as a test. Yeah. With others, 
and you can see that difference because why? It's nothing more than judging you with your background. Mm -hmm. And the others are judging with their background and their merit. Yeah. They get credit. Yeah. And this is in every aspect of life, not only in this or that or this. Yeah. Where if there's a black person, that blackness has got 90% of that judgment. And mm. the 10% goes in the other. Whereas when you go to the other, that white whiteness takes 10% problem, the rest 90 comes to their merit. Mm. So why? Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is understanding the system and how it works is very important and holding the system accountable to what it it claims it upholds is also important. And mm-hmm. in this case, we're talking about democracy. So there are, I mean, despite the um, undeniable discrimination that exists, yes. um, there is opportunity within our system of democracy to actually have a say, to actually, um, yeah, be a part of it. So it always comes back to education and mindset. And, and thank you for highlighting that, Dr. Bahan. Um, we have about six minutes of our show left. Um, um, no, we, we, it's been great. The conversation has flown really nicely. Um, you guys are listening to Soul Dive with AD, Rashani and Lydia, and we're discussing gentrification. Um, and yeah, we we only have six minutes, as I said. We might just go through some of the myth busters just to have a brief um, conversation about the misconceptions around um, gentrification. So I have a few statements and then I just want to get your immediate natural reactions to these statements. So the first one is, and we've kind of covered this, gentrification causes widespread displacement. What would you guys say to that? (laughs) I think that's, yeah. Yeah, a displacement is a real thing and people because of um housing prices going up then um you know they can sometimes be forced to move um out of their community. So yeah, it is a real thing. Um absolutely, I would say. So you're right. And you know, people who lease, they commit to a leasing price for a year and then um they're legally the landlords legally allowed to increase the price of that property after that um lease term. So technically, yes, with each year um is a new opportunity to actually increase the price. And if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. So it does have the potential to cause um, widespread um, widespread displacement, and it definitely has. Well, then, for me, that widespread yeah? That comes with opportunity. I love it. Mindset. Well, it's got to look at the positives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Opportunity, because living, say, in Turak and living in uh, Footscray, Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, with this COVID crisis, if you if you read any of the papers, the kids living in Turak, where most of them were working in the shopping centers part time, whatever, they were getting the jobkeeper payment. Mm-hmm. Majority. Okay. Whereas in the western suburb, most of the kids were not engaged in all this, you know, because there is no network. So that that so in that dispersed I see is lack of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Okay, those kids because of their network, his father calls his uncle, uncle calls his father, <laughs> and there's everyone owns the shopping center or someone owns the big or someone owns something. So they put each other, and in time of that crisis, when the gold drops, drops in their house. <laughs> See, there's an undeniable advantage of having your family here for some generations, you know, you're, you're just more, yeah, like settled in into that country. You do have more networks and connections and support just naturally as a result. Um, the next one is gentrification leads to lower crime. Um, briefly touched on that one before. Um, you know, I can't comment on this because I don't know the statistics to really say, but I can, I can tell you here. Thank you. Yourself, yourself, your introduction was very good on that of Footscray 10 years ago versus now. Now, what made it safer now is because you, you to be honest with you, I, uh, you know, most of our girls and boys and whatever in Footscray, they feel like they're walking even naked. They don't feel threatened. 
Right, yeah. There is one big building constructed lightly in Footscray, which is called the 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 trust, the state trust building. Mm. The girls working there, they complain saying we can't walk on this street because of this, 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 of the mm. Africans sitting together and talking. Mm. And I went and I said to them, have, you, have anyone ever approached you? They said no. Mm. So what makes you feel? Why don't you try? And if you get any harassment or anything, then mm. talk about it. And they start to walk. They felt more safer going around that area than they were ever thinking. So mm. what I'm saying is that safety, particularly for the community, it made it a home where mm. you don't feel like, you know, to worry. There's someone you know, someone you can relate to, the culture you relate to, that makes it more safer. Yeah. I'm telling you, because of this drug push comes to many things to that problem. Mm. But despite that, I live there and I feel more safer with those people than I feel in the city where there are others. Right, yeah. I also think um, what you said, Dr. Barhan, the girls were afraid of walking just because of an idea they had in their heads. And it seems like the idea are black people are to be feared. Yeah. Um, so with gentrification, obviously, um, black and brown people who are most likely of the lower SES community, are the ones pushed out. So people automatically feel safer because they don't have that mental threat without an actual physical threat. And also places of lower SES or, you know, those housing um, estates are patrolled by police a lot more than places like Turak. Um, And we already know that. So whether statistics are correct in saying it lowers crime rates Mm. or whether that discrimination uh, factor is taken Mm. into account are two different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, right. And like you said, because gentrification would naturally change the perception of people. So now they're stepping into this area and they're seeing that the character's different, that the ambiance is different, the people who are in the space is different, and automatically their perception of how safe they are in that space has changed. So but Perhaps it's not that actually lower crimes is mm-hmm. the case. Um, maybe it's less fear. Who knows? Um, but we actually have to wrap up our show. We've actually reached the end of our show. Um, the last one was gentrification happens naturally. And I think that um, if you guys want to have like final comments to this, I would say that in ways, yes, it does happen naturally because the economy and the way things happen, it's progression always. But sometimes it seems as if there's intentional um, sort of targeting of areas to make it a certain way in a certain period of time for a certain end goal. And so my comments on that would be like, it does happen naturally, but at the same time, there's a lot of intention when an area is being gentrified. Um, Dr. Bahan, do you have some final comments? Let me tell you two jokes, like put them like a joke, but Western capitalism is a jungle, a jungle of civilization. We come from an organic gentrification where everyone is entitled to the land they live back home. And that gentrification is not imposed, it is organically Mm. grown. Whereas here, it's a jungle of consumer wallet that capitalism encourages. So hyena eating hyenas, the process is Everyone wants to climb on top of the other, okay? So that gentrification becomes obsession at times, Mm. where some people feel too much ownership and too Mm. much fear of others for no reason that because they feel like, you know, they need to live more. Not because they are unsafe. No, because they have got money, they need to live longer and more. Yeah. Okay? And that fear brings to them anyone is a risk. Mm. Not, but, yeah. not that person is a risk, but the fear of that, you know, I have got all this, how can I get sick? How can I get this? How can? And that is where I call it a jungle, you know, hyena. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, thank you for that. Guys, um, we have reached the end of our show. AD and Rashani, um, final comments. Um, this has been awesome speaking about gentrification. I think this is a huge topic that clearly has many, many things to consider on each side of the argument. Um, but yeah, it was cool to have started this conversation. Girls, before yeah. we wrap up. It's been such a good conversation. Thank you, um, Dr. Pahan. But yeah, as we were saying, like um, know what's happening in, in your community, go to council meetings, um, mm. you know, call your MPs, um, just be really involved as much as you can so you know what's happening in your community, I would say. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this has been really great, uh, really insightful conversations. Um, what I would say is, um, like you said, Lydia, that sometimes gentrification seems really intentional and targeted. Um, and I think they target communities that uh, they feel don't know the rules, don't know uh, the system, don't know the laws and, and aren't as involved in politics. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the easiest way to sweep the rug from under people's feet. So like Rashani said, get involved um, in your community, get involved in, in politics and your council and realize your power as a community to actually make a difference because sometimes we feel so helpless and that's how people get in our in our heads. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Connectedness to community um, is very important. Dr. Bahan also did highlight that um, and just... And education in any in any regard and all regards is always good. Um, thank you, Dr. Bahan, for joining us. We hope you have a blessed rest of your day. Um, and yes, you're you're listening. If you need anything, yeah, I want you to tackle big agendas. While you got the opportunity, you are smart. You do a bit of homework and take a shovel and a digger and dig all the crisis with particularly the barriers that are blocking our young people, our community going forward. Mm. It would be the best way in your challenges and for your listeners, because through time, I, I can see you, you will be the TV stars. <laughs> Play the game smartly. Play the game smartly, yep. Thank you. You're you're kind of echoing the um, advice from that we often get from our producer Ralph. Um, so this is cool, and we can see him. He's you know nodding his yeah, head yeah. <laughs> in approval, um, and also my father too. So there's that. Um, thank you guys so much. I hope you have a blessed um, Friday and weekend, everyone. We'll be back next week um, for Soul Dive at eight to nine a.m. in the morning. Um, you're listening to Ad Rashani and Lydia. Peace out. With thanks to the city of Brimbank across our neighbourhood and the world, Soul Dive with AD, Rashani and Lydia on Brimbank Live on Live FM. Live FM.